Hello and welcome to From the Top, where the program that brings the swing world together, for better or worse. I'm Alexei Korolev. In this edition, we meet six people whose dancing careers started in one country, but continued in another, with maybe a stop or two in between. Some have since returned home, others are staying put, and yet others may well pack up and move somewhere else still. My name is Lisa Carmen, and I originally started dancing in Montreal in Canada, and now I live in Seoul in South Korea. And it's kind of a funny story of how I got here, because originally I was actually studying teaching English as a second language. Um, one of the reasons why I actually took that program was because I wanted to travel. And my goal was move to China, because at the time I was also studying Chinese. Uh, but I had a friend who was teaching, she was a swing dancer, she was teaching in Korea, but not in Seoul, she was in the South. And she told me, she's like, why don't you come to Korea? And my response was sort of, well, I'm learning Chinese, not Korean, so <laughs> I don't think that's going to help me. And she's like, yes, but there's much more swing dancing in Korea. And I was like, oh, that's true. And at the time, this was like in 2007. So Lisa has lived in Seoul for nine years now, and she says it's getting harder to see the differences. There's a lot that just seems normal to me in a way that it didn't when I first came, I think, and I kind of forget how it didn't always used to be normal. So it's actually at the point now where it's a little bit difficult to compare. Um, what's different? Well, when I first came, the Korean scene is different now than it was when I first came, too. Korea changes really quickly, I think. When I first came... There weren't a lot of people who were traveling much outside of Korea for events. And now it's completely different. Pretty much any large event will have several Koreans at it. Um, what else? One thing that's different is that in North America, I don't know about Europe actually so much, but in North America, usually there's, when you have dance nights, you have like a lesson maybe before and then the actual dance night. In Korea, that never happens. So the dance nights are just dance nights and if you want to learn you kind of have to take lessons somewhere. And then also where you go kind of depends on your dancing too because there are nights where it's really just like beginners really and then other nights that are really more advanced dancers. I don't think the intent is to like segregate it but that kind of is what ends up happening. There's definitely like a hierarchy sort of thing. At one point um, I'm learning the Gayagam, and my Gayagam teacher at one point wanted to learn swing dancing. And she took some classes, and I went with her sometimes to the dances, like if her class was having a class dance night or something. And then I would dance with her, I would introduce her to my friends, and be like, oh, this is my teacher, dance with her, please. <laughs> She's just new, you know, and my friends were always great about that. But then they had people who were helpers, like class helpers. And they came over to her and was like, oh, you shouldn't sit there, that's where more advanced dancers sit. Or like, you shouldn't dance with that person, they're more advanced. And I told them off because I was like, no, that's not how it works. There is no place that only advanced dancers sit and I don't like your attitude. <laughs> and, you know, and they wouldn't say anything back to me because I'd been dancing longer than they did, and I knew the instructors and all of these things. So 
Um, I think I was always at less risk for any sorts of abuse than, than other people. Next up, Mark D'Olimpio. A long-time and much-loved member of the Viennese swing scene, he now lives in Paris with his wife and children. Okay, well, one second. Hey, Mila? Uh, he's recording me right now, so trying not to make noise in the background. Why is he recording you? Because he's interviewing me for a podcast. Hold on. Sorry about that. So, yeah, I guess I'll start. My name is Mark D'Olimpio, and I started dancing in 1998 in San Francisco. I took a community college ballroom dance course, and one of the dances was East Coast Swing. And from there, uh, I moved on to Lindy Hop, and I took uh, classes with Paul and Sharon, who taught thousands of people how to Lindy Hop in San Francisco. Uh, the dance scene there was enormous. I heard estimates of 3,000 to 3,500 dancers at the time. We danced to slow music, much slower than what we dance to today. It came to be known as a groove. So. What I saw at the time um, was a very, very large scene with a lot of advanced dancers, so much so that uh, you really didn't need to travel at the time to dance events, and there weren't that many, actually. I danced and DJed. I started DJing almost immediately in 1998. In 2003, then, I quit DJing and dancing. I had gotten married, and I moved to Europe with my wife. And then basically for nine years, I didn't, I didn't dance or DJ. I listened to music still. And uh, I raised, uh, I had two children and lived in different places in Europe. And then one day I moved to Vienna with my wife and two kids. And for whatever reason, I contacted, uh, uh, I think it was Milo. He's one of the founders of IGHOP, I believe, in Vienna. And I asked him, hey, I, I think I see their swing dancing here. And he's like, yeah, we have a, we have a dance every Tuesday at, uh, what's it called, Weir, Weir? And that's the first place I went. And they actually had a big, live big band there that was really, really good. So yeah, what I noticed when I came back though was I was like, wow, everybody's dancing faster. They're playing all this old music, classic stuff that we didn't listen to back then. That was the, the biggest difference. Uh, I started seeing. Uh, I went around to some events. I think I went to one in. Uh, I went to one in Budapest. It was not Lindy Shock. It was uh, another camp there, right before Lindy Shock. And I saw some people I knew from before, and it was interesting to to talk with them because I had a huge hole in my in my history, and so. Uh, the only thing I could talk about with people I knew before were things that happened in 2000 and 2001. So one person said, it's like you were under a rock for, for nine years and you came back out and you still talk about the things back then. I, I've, I, now that I've, uh, I've been back, you know, I've been able to dance in different countries. And what I do see is that every country often will have their different characteristics, the type of music they, they dance to, uh, or they like, or they prefer. And you can still find pockets of the old, the old groove style that people like in places. I've DJed where they've asked me to play that. And uh, I've DJed where they like uh, New Orleans style or traditional jazz more. And where they only want classic jazz. So that's what I've seen in my travel since I've been back since about 2012 is when I started DJing again. Um, well, at the moment I'm working for a, a co-working office space in Leipzig in Germany. Uh, we have 100 desks here. We've got about 25 different startup companies and, and entrepreneurs. Meet Sam Josephs. Originally from Adelaide, Australia, he recently moved to Germany as part of a journey of self-discovery. He started dancing because... Well, my parents were dancers. My, my parents actually 
before I was born, lived here in Germany for a few years. My mum was a, a very good ballet dancer back in the day and she was quite famous. My dad kind of, he was good. He kind of did it for mum, I think, though, as well. He kind of followed her around and, and they and they did that for a few years. And then mum had a ballet school back in Australia and so I grew up kind of doing different forms of dance there, ballet and a bit of modern and jazz and things. And um, it wasn't until I was older, until I was 28, I think, that I found Swing and Lindy Hop. To be honest, I, I kind of wish that I'd come to it earlier because it's just so much damn fun. And after the first lesson in Adelaide in South Australia of Lindy Hop, I was pretty hooked. It was bloody fantastic. And since then, I've been dancing at least twice a week, sometimes three three times a week, four times a week. Um, went to a, like one or two exchanges in Australia and just kind of heard rumblings about what the scene was like over in Europe and in Germany in particular. Um, a couple of people from the dance school, I was a bit shy back in the... Sam had tried a few other cities in Germany before deciding on Leipzig. He has no regrets, he says, even though he's now at a crossroads in his life. To work finishes in, in April. I've just turned down, you know, kind of like a very good career job, a job that would be very fulfilling for me. And the only thing I can put it down to is the dance. Like I think, you know, the the people that I've met here through dance in Europe and in Germany and and just the incredible events that happen, these, you know, you're dancing in these these halls that are older than Australia, you know, that are, that are older than our whole bloody country. It's just got so much history and the bands here are hot. You know, it's it's kind of, the, there's the opportunity here. There's, there's the proximity. You can find little different traditions of dance in different little pockets of Europe. Say, for example, I live here in Leipzig where to anything that's just a little bit fast, we'll dance Balboa. Um, there's a really big, thriving, beautiful Balboa scene here. If you go 60 kilometres down the road to Jena, which is this beautiful little university town, it's just Charlestonville. And so, like, I really love going to these different places and finding the differences in the way that people dance and the way that people interact as well. I've, even coming from Australia, and I'm not sure if it's just my style of dance, but I've had comments from people that, that, that I'm quite a, a soft dancer and I think that's a compliment. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> but, yeah, I think, it, I think it's just the, just the halls, the bands, the people, the, the variances. Everything is different all the time. My name is Ben Bakari. I'm um, – <laughs> sorry, I should probably start that again, I guess. Yeah, I'm Ben Bakari. I work in – disaster management which has taken me um, around the world in many different places to, to live and study and work. Ben and is Sam's compatriot but unlike him he has returned to Australia for the time being. Yes I, I came to, to Lindy Hop by a fairly roundabout route really. I, um, I started originally doing some, uh, some rock and roll uh, dancing in my hometown of, of Wollongong but and uh, then uh, when uh, when I was living in Canada after graduating from my, um, my undergraduate degree in Vancouver, um, some old uh, physics friends of mine brought me along to this um, Lindy Hop night that they were running for their physics society and then wound up taking up Lindy Hop. And I, I found dancing wherever I've uh, moved since. So, Starting in Canada, then I came back to Australia, um, to, to Sydney, 
you know, I was living for a while and, and dancing there. And then I moved to Kathmandu in uh, Nepal for work uh, for 12 months. And so I started teaching some, some Lindy Hop and some Charleston and some solo jazz to, you know, other expats there and, and some of the locals as, as well. And then I moved to, to Italy to uh, do a PhD. So I was dancing in Milan for the last three years. And uh, now I'm, I'm back in Sydney catching up and dancing with my friends here. And who knows where, I'll, uh, where I will uh, wind up next. Ben sees more similarities than differences between the various communities that he's been part of. Like, I, I've only ever been dancing during the, the sort of YouTube era, you know, with the influence of YouTube and with the influences of, of the same cadre of international teachers. Dancing's pretty much the same everywhere, in my experience at least. Like, a lot of the community aspects are fairly similar, I guess. But many things borrow from the general uh, recreation and entertainment culture of the country. So, so here in Australia, like a lot of the events start relatively early and, you know, they're finished by around midnight, maybe 1am. Similarly, in, in Canada, you know, and a lot of things happening midweek as well. But in, in Italy, you... The, dance event wouldn't really kick off until like 10.30, maybe 11 o'clock at night and go, go much later. It was a particular problem for me because I lived quite uh, a ways out of town, so um, I, I couldn't get home at the end of the night. You know, I would either need to go to something that was happening in the afternoon or during the day or make arrangements for, for somewhere to stay. But um, in terms of regular night out it worked quite well with me i'm quite a, a night owl so that wasn't uh, so much of a shift for me nancy hitzig is a canadian living in london she spoke to my colleague marcus nutzinger ready yeah that that looks good great it works well i think it's important to know that when i first moved to london i knew absolutely no one and i am a person where in toronto and and in the canadian swing dance scene I have loads of social capital. I know loads of people. I've been around and dancing since 2005. And coming to London and having seen the scene here in 2005 and 2009, and then moving here in 2013 to do my master's, it looked like an entirely different scene. Mm -hmm. And there are a couple of reasons for that. Um, one is that there were a couple of schools that got set up in that time. And so the scene was a lot bigger. And what I find is the biggest difference is that there's an incredible culture of taking class here that we don't really have in Toronto. I am constantly shocked at how if someone comes to a class on a Monday night, like that is what they do on Mondays and they just make the time and they come to class and it becomes this incredible social glue yeah. where it then leads to um, a real family sense, I think, in the various uh, venues where you where you teach. And I think that's something that's really different. There are a bunch of other differences I see in terms of how I approach teaching in London compared to how I approach teaching back in Canada. 
I mean, my perspective is unique because, of course, I moved into a scene where I was already a teacher. Coming into a new scene when you are a teacher versus when you're uh, a beginner, I think is a very different experience or an intermediate dancer. I don't, I think that it's a different perspective. So I came in and I had the benefit of sort of coming in, in this middle tier where I was a good dancer. I had taught previously, had competed a lot and, and done all these various things. Whereas I think if you were a beginner or intermediate dancer coming into London, it is massive. Like there are, at Swing Patrol alone, uh, 1,200 people take class a week, which is pretty staggering. And I know that their mailing list is something outrageous, like 16,000 people. You know, you have this incredibly big scene and that's only one school. That's not even the other incredible schools that have been around here and the work that Simon Selman has done over the years and the work that Swingland has done over the years. So you have tens of thousands of dancers in London or people that no one are familiar with Lindy Hop. So um, I found it revelatory because I come from a scene that's very small. I mean, Toronto only has maybe 600 dancers. Like it's not a massive scene. They're very socially minded. So, you know, you go to a dance and there's, you'll always feel very welcome, but people don't really, there is now a few schools that are working really hard building a culture of class. But when, when I was dancing there, you know, it was much more of a social scene, which was fantastic. But if you wanted to push your dancing, there were far less opportunities. And then you move to London and it's vast. And there are a million dances in a million boroughs. There are a million classes you can take in world-class instructors who live here. I mean, you know, Sky Humphreys has been offering a jazz class recently. Yeah. Sharon Davis is running her school Jazz Mad. You know, you have Richard Pucci and what he does with, um, with Uptown Swing and Haley Harvey and her husband, uh, Josh Gomez running a school and loads of incredible international instructors and, and just great teachers here. I think that that, that adds something. And there's, uh, I feel tremendously grateful that I kind of walked in and got to be a part of it. But I also view my role living in London is that I have to help support that community too. Whereas in Toronto, I could kind of run a workshop when I felt like it. I could run, you know, eight week courses or whatever. And the investment was very different because the dancers and the dancers needs were very different. So, so that for me and how, I, again, how I pitched the class is very different. The music here is so much faster than because there's interest in dancing fast than oh, mm-hmm. it was in Toronto. And finally, here's Katie Letter. She's also based in London, where she moved from Hong Kong, and she also spoke to Marcus. So I, I started dancing in Hong Kong, really. It's a, it's a much smaller scene than London, but the Hong Kong scene is immediately so friendly. There's no separation when I first started between socials and lessons. And I never felt like I couldn't go to a social because I hadn't done enough classes. I felt like I was totally welcome at every single social and that I could go straight in. Whereas in London, I definitely feel that more. I feel like they're much more separate. You do have taster classes at the beginning of a social, but they didn't, they weren't taught in the same way and it didn't feel as much like they were integrated. Um, And also London is absolutely enormous. So I dance primarily with Swing Patrol, and it's so easy for me to go to a social outside of the Swing Patrol universe and not know anybody in it at all. Versus when I'm back home in Hong Kong, like, my brother and me and all of our friends, like, we all dance together. And I know, like, a lot of scene people there, and, like, every time I go back, it's new faces because Hong Kong is a very transient city and there's loads of people who come and go. But I always feel like there's a core group of people in Hong Kong and they're always there and I know I know all of them and they're all lovely. 
Um, so it feels like it's just a much friendlier, smaller scene in comparison. Because it is a smaller scene, like it's just a bit more open because it's not, you can't have that level of advanced dancers who don't dance anybody because then they wouldn't dance anybody. Talking about advanced dancers in Hong Kong, so my brother is still over there and he's a phenomenal dancer. And I hope he doesn't hear that because it's going to, like, we have a little bit of a sibling rivalry. And so I don't like to say he's really good, but he's really good. But what I find really interesting about my brother and the advanced dancers in Hong Kong is to become an advanced dancer in Hong Kong, you really have to take ownership of your own dancing. Versus London, I'm completely spoiled. My regular teacher has always been Ben Cook, who's a phenomenal dancer. Sharon Davis runs classes down the road. Um, so I haven't had to go out as much um, to find really high level learning. I think my brother has a much better attitude in that sense because he knows that he has to go out and take ownership over his own learning whereas I can just like walk down the road and like oh look there's Ben Cook oh look there's Tony Jackson oh look there's Mosa Gunn and like they're all just here and so in that regard I think that's phenomenal the Hong Kong scene like the, the people who are amazing there so that's like Thomas, Lou, Lottie these guys are rock star people because they've gone out and they've sought learning and so they go to Singapore they go to Korea they go to Taiwan they have like great connections throughout the Asian scene because they have to travel more to be able to get that high level learning um but all the socials in hong kong for the most part are free um whereas in london there are very few free events and it's there's a bit of a bigger barrier to entry there i would say in terms of price they're pretty comparable um both hong kong and london are, are very big cities and they both are quite expensive just as places to live but i think also another thing in london is that there's so many different classes you can do like, there are so many different schools. There are so many different places you can go for classes that there's a range of prices and, like, a range of price points with a person attending those classes. Um, so you could probably find much more affordable classes in various different places if you wanted to look for them. Uh, yeah. I really hope that what I've said does both scenes justice because I, I genuinely think they're both wonderful places to dance. To be honest, I'm not sure if I can think of a single place in the world I wouldn't want to dance. If there's going to be Lindy Hoppers there, it's going to be a pretty good time. I think Hong Kong's a really interesting place to dance because you have this transience. Like, I was totally part of that transient, by the way. I was totally part of the people who come for a little bit and then go away again, and then come back again. Like, I was a boomerang. Um, I would come back every year, like twice a year for a couple months. Um, whereas yeah. in London, I feel like once you get sucked in, it's really hard to leave. Yeah. Cool. Well... Our thanks to Lisa, Mark, Sam, Ben, Nancy and Katie for coming forward with their stories. The swing world is not immune to the curses and blessings of the wider world, as became painfully clear in the past few weeks. And so it has profited, while some might say lost, from cultural and economic globalization and open borders. For what it's worth, we here at From the Top maintain that the exchange of knowledge and ideas and people across national frontiers is a good thing. From the Top is brought to you by Igihok. Thanks for listening. If you have any comments or questions about this or any other episode, make sure to drop us a line at contact at igihop.at or on Facebook. Our website is fromthetoppodcast.com and if you're not a subscriber yet, subscribe now on SoundCloud, iTunes, Mixcloud, Stitcher or any other podcast app of your choice. From the, from the top, you gotta take it